I realized I, I wanted to have a life where I lived in San Francisco. My family's there, you know, my niece and nephew. I, I wanted to have a home base in San Francisco, but I also wanted to be able to spend time in like Tahoe and also LA and New York while I'm at it. And uh, I remember thinking, oh man, how am I ever going to be able to afford that? <laughs> Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. In just a minute, you'll meet Justine Polevsky, co-founder of Kindred, a members-only community for home swapping. Growing up, Justine loved to read, ideate, and create. Her parents originally moved to San Francisco to follow the Grateful Dead and encouraged Justine to dream big and take bold risks, even if others didn't quite get it. Justine has always loved to travel. When COVID hit, Justine, like many folks, started dreaming about what it would look like to live in different cities throughout the year. She started looking into buying short-term rentals in markets like Tahoe, but soon realized that for her, it was less about owning real estate and more about having the ability to live and work in different places throughout the year. And it was this revelation that sparked the initial idea which would become Kindred. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Justine. All right, so Justine, if I were to crash a happy hour with you and some of your closest friends, and if I were to ask them to just tell <laughs> me about Justine or tell me a story about her, what do you imagine that they might say? It's a good question. I think they would probably say, I'm that girl from San Francisco who <laughs> probably the one who's obsessed with her dog. I have a, a cavapoo named Ava. 
oh, wow. um, who is my my sidekick and has been for eight or nine years now. Um, they would probably say that I'm I've, I've always been a bit kind of imaginative. Um, I love learning. I have studied really crazy, random, different things. I have a degree in neuroscience. I also have studied ancient Mayan glyphs. What? <laughs> I did research on dwarf minky whales. Like I have really broad interests. And I think my friends have always been a little bit perplexed and like fascinated by that. <laughs> that is super interesting. So what what's like some random fact you could share with us? Like one or two, just like totally random facts that your average Joe would, would not know given what you've studied. Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. One random fact is that ancient Mayan writing people thought for uh for a very very long time hundreds of years that the Mayan glyphs were just a calendar system okay uh and sometime in the 90s um uh people realized that there was actually full syntax um and that there was actually sentence structure uh and that it was actually a full written language um, huh. in addition to a, a, a calendar system, um, which in retrospect should have been clear because ancient Mayan was a spoken language. Um, and so it makes sense that they they had a corresponding written language. But there's a, a, a handful, like less than 10 people kind of in the world who are the real experts on uh, ancient Mayan glyphs and translation. I, I happened to uh, go to a school that had a couple of these folks and I was just like so excited about the uh that story and huh. thinking about like kind of rediscovering a dead language um that I, I ended up taking a couple classes in it that is that is fascinating so what what were you like as as a kid then like were you just one of those kids that would read everything and ask like zillions of questions like did you drive your parents crazy with all your your, your questions or like how, how does one develop such a diverse set of interests I would read everything. I was, I mean, I was a huge like Harry Potter kid. I, there was a somewhere, um, uh, there is a old San Francisco Chronicle, uh, newspaper article that was like second grader, Justine Polevsky has read the first Harry Potter book 12 times. <laughs> um, I, uh, so I was, I was a really voracious reader, but, but really just, I, I just played a lot of like games in my own head hmm. like I, I just had a really big imagination i had lots of invisible friends and imaginary you know animals and um and so i, I think i just uh i i uh had a kind of rich inner life huh huh well i mean kudos to whatever environment uh fostered that sense of creativity and and imagination because especially today i feel like it's 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 hard for parents to do that well just given how many distractions uh exist exist in, yeah. the, in the world but um so I do, you yeah, know go ahead, my go ahead. parents sorry just a just a thought on that I, I definitely do need to give credit to my parents though I mean they they I, I as I mentioned I grew up in San Francisco my parents um came into San Francisco to kind of like follow the Grateful Dead they're really open-minded huh. they're kind of wacky themselves they're I kind of uh grew up with a, a kind of um uh hippie uh, uh, hippie culture. Um, my mom in particular is very young at heart. So I'm sure that's where I got it from. I, I love it. Well, Hey, they're doing something right. Um, <laughs> so, um, if, if someone were to have asked you as like a 10 year old, uh, elementary school aged student, uh, what you wanted to be when you grew up, like what, what would you have said? Yeah, I think at 10, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Huh. I really loved the ocean. 
I love ocean animals. I wanted to study dolphins. I wanted to do something um, with animals. Um, and, uh, but I also wanted to write. I, I always wanted to write fiction um, and, you know, had a lot of other things I was interested in as well. But marine biologist is definitely what I would have said. Did you, have you started writing a book? Have you written anything? I've started writing many books. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've never, never finished any. Is there, is there one in particular that you're like, if I had put in the time and effort, this this could have had a shot at, at becoming something. <laughs> um, you know, the, the one that I actually feel like I have to write at some point before I die is not actually fiction, but it's a like a screenplay or like a Netflix show okay. on the story of Lewis and Clark. <laughs> huh. I read this book called Undaunted Courage. And about their um, about their journey, and I was so blown away at this story. Um, there's so much that I had never heard about. You know, you kind of imagine you're like, oh yeah, Lewis and Clark, I've heard about them, and like Sacagawea, and you know, yeah. Um, but there's so much there that I had no idea about. There's a story of like friendship and loss and like mental illness and uh, you know adventure and danger, and it's um I could go on and on about it but i have told myself i'm like at some point um i'm going to write and pitch um a really epic tv series yeah. that goes through uh lewis and clark's journey <laughs> i mean you know it's it's funny I, i'm like racking my my brain as you're talking about this and it's like there there isn't one that like comes to mind already and yet it's a story that you know we are all taught in school right you you know you know these names and it's kind of right. it's kind of funny that there hasn't been like the the Yellowstone sort of like a uh, version of of this story. Yeah. If there are any uh, Hollywood producers or writers listening to this podcast, <laughs> please hit me up. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Uh, wow. Well, hey, I hope you I hope you pursue that um, in, in all of your spare time. But uh, we're, we're really <laughs> what we're really here to talk about is is your your current company, Kindred. And. Uh, I really I want to hear sort of the the founding story of Kindred, where the idea actually came from, and sort of what those what those uh, what the environment was that sort of like birthed this idea initially. So if you, if you don't mind, just uh, giving us a quick little overview of what Kindred is, and then where the initial idea was was sparked from. Yeah, sure. So Kindred is a members only home swapping network. Um, so we help folks coordinate with others in their extended trust network to stay in one another's homes um, and pay just a fraction of what they might be uh, paying otherwise to stay at a hotel or a uh, or a rental um, uh, by sharing their homes with other folks. Um, so it really is a way to kind of unlock travel and really nice accommodations um, by sharing what you've got with people that you trust. Um, so Kindred, like the idea really came from my and my co-founders own experiences, trying to figure out how can we pull off a life where we are living this more travel rich lifestyle hmm. while we're working um, remotely or at least in more remote, flexible work environments. Um, I realized I, I wanted to have a life where I lived in San Francisco. My family's there, you know, my niece and nephew. I, I wanted to have a home base in San Francisco, but I also wanted to be able to spend time in like Tahoe and also LA and New York while I'm at it. And uh, I remember thinking, 
oh man, how am I ever going to be able to afford that? <laughs> like, how am I going to be able to make enough money to live that kind of a life that I want to live? Um, and, and really, you know, I, I, uh, I thought that the, the, the solution was, you know, to buy places and put them on Airbnb or rent them out to help cover my costs. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and probably a lot of your listeners, you know, have, have done that. A number of my friends have been able to do that successfully. And, um, so I, I actually started, um, uh, going down that path myself. You know, I, I made my like Excel model of, you know, how much I could spend and how much I think I thought I could make. And I got a loan, um, and I went to Tahoe, um, to go put offers out on, on homes, um, but the homes kept getting bid up and up mm. and kind of above my comfort zone. Um, and I was scared that I'd have to, you know, go too high to get the home. And then I would be putting myself into a kind of dangerous position where I've taken out these loans that I might not be able to pay back if I can't get the occupancy, you know, that I was hoping I'd, I'd be able to get. And I, I ended up kind of getting honestly, just like a little scared mm. um, and, uh, and, and kind of backed off and said like, I feel like there's got to be a different way to do this. <laughs> um, and I also didn't have a ton of time. You know, I was working yeah. in tech and I, I started getting a little bit like nervous of um, the the kind of effort uh, and, and the work that would come from managing all these properties. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I, I ended up actually meeting a, a couple um, who uh, went to my college and had my same kind of undergraduate degree, but they were a little bit older than me. So we hadn't met each other before, but we had a lot in common and they lived full-time in Lake Tahoe um, and, you know, in a beautiful place. And I said, Hey, you know, do you guys want to come to San Francisco sometime? Like I have a, a, a nice uh, place that I'm renting here and, and I'm looking to be able to spend a little bit more time in, in Lake Tahoe. And they were like, yeah, actually, you know, we live full-time in Tahoe, but we get the, the pine tree blues as they called it. And we'd love to have a pied a terre in the city that we could go to. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, should we do a, should we, you know, do a home swap? And um, we ended up doing a, a, a 10 day swap. And, and I, I stayed in their place um, with Ava, my dog and my boyfriend for 10 nights. And we, uh, you know, skied every day before work. It was during the, it was during the winter. The other kind of amazing thing is that I am the same shoe size as the woman. And so she oh was like, gosh. Oh, <laughs> use my skis, you know, <laughs> use my snow boots. And we were like, okay, well you can use our, you know, our, our surfboards and, you know, our, our bikes. And, um, and we had an amazing time and mm. I was staying in this beautiful five bedroom home with workstations and, you know, some exercise equipment and um, really comfortable, kind of well-equipped for, for, you know, cooking. And, uh, and, and I would join my Zooms for work and my coworkers would be like, oh, Justine, like, where are you? Oh, you're in Tahoe. How, how much are you paying for your rental? And I was uh. like, I am literally paying nothing. And they were like, what? And I felt like I had discovered the cheat code, you know, to, to life. I yeah. was like, you know, all these other suckers are paying how much a night for their <laughs> Tahoe rentals. And I'm, you know, I figured something out. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I went back home after that, after that trip and my mind was just blown. I, you know, I came home and my living in San Francisco, if any packages get left outside, they get stolen in like a second. And so it was so nice to have somebody who has taken my packages in and my mail in and they watered my plants and they left a really sweet note. 
And we were like, let's do this again sometime. Um, and uh, since then, we've done a, a home swap for uh, about like five to 10 days, roughly every every quarter or so. And I feel like I have a house in Tahoe, but I don't have to pay for it. And I don't have to take on the, the, the work. Um, and, and that for me was the real kind of aha moment around home sharing and home swapping. Um, I ended up going down a rabbit hole like home swapping. I'm not inventing this. Like home swapping has been around forever. Like the home swap section of Craigslist, yeah. you know, I, I know that that's on there. Like, why is this not a thing? Um, and uh, where are places in the world where home swapping has really worked? Um, and what do I think it would look like to be able to, to make um, sharing homes between people who trust one another, like a really viable mainstream convenient option? Um, and what we realized was if we could make it more uh, convenient, more e- like easier to find the right match um, and easier to you know, coordinate things like cleaning the home before somebody arrives. Um, and if we could make it importantly, more trusted, find ways for people to find others who they already um, uh, have something in common with um, or who they trust. Um, if we could bring that trust and convenience to home swapping, it could be a really incredible uh, and very viable uh, alternative for a yeah. lot of people who are looking to live more flexibly um, across uh, uh, different places or just travel a little bit more. Ah, oh, that's uh, such a such a fantastic story, and I, I want I want you to dive into a little bit more about the the trust matching, right? And and how and how that works, um, because uh, you know as as you've mentioned, home swapping has been has been around for a while. Um, but I think your all's uh, approach is is sort of like opening it up as a category to you know younger professionals, maybe like millennial travelers, um, who you know previously might have not considered this this way of travel. And, you know, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to, I think, anyone's mind is, do I want a stranger in my home, right? Like, and, yeah. you know, what, what are the risks involved there? And from the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, I was I was really impressed by sort of like how you all think about matching folks. So could you just uh, unpack in as much detail as, as you can sort of how you go about recommending homes that uh, might be a might be a good, you know, match for for somebody uh, like me, like you, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a really, really fascinating part of this business. So I love, I love talking about this. It's very, very human um, and requires a decent amount of kind of EQ to, to even kind of crack this nut hmm. um, of how do we match people with others who they trust? What are the, the boundaries of uh, our trust circles and how can we uh, help folks discover um, as many great travel options as they can within their their boundary of of trust. Um, and so uh, th- there's a couple ways that we uh, seek to kind of create trust. and and before I talk about the the kind of matching, just to, just so people know the, the the other kind of component of this is just that we do we're we're a members only um, uh, network. Mm. And so we do do an an amount of you know making sure that you are who you say you are and that your home is, you know, uh, 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 looks like the pictures that you've uploaded, and um, and and so uh, have a degree of kind of certainty and and security from uh, the kind of invite only nature. You know that that a place like Craigslist Home Swaps like doesn't necessarily you know like like a listings platform doesn't necessarily bring. Um, but once you're on the platform, our goal um, is to uh, help you discover others, um, who you're comfortable with, who don't feel like strangers because nobody wants a stranger in their actual home where all of their stuff is 
Um, but there are, there are people who don't feel like strangers. Um, and so what we've found is um, that, that there are certain groups um, or kind of affinities that, um, that have high trust um, already. Hmm. Um, and we go to try and find those. What are they? Like one example is I, I worked at a place called Bain, in, uh, uh, which is a management consult- consulting firm, Bain & Company. Bain has, um, they have a really strong culture and they have international trainings like every couple of years where they fly you out with all the other people who work at Bain who are your, um, at your kind of tenure and you meet them and um, and they have a really kind of consistent, strong culture. And that means that there's this kind of international network of Bainies, you yeah. know, as we call them ourselves, um, who have so much in common. And you know that they've been to the same kind of events that you have um, and that, uh, you know, they have a hard job and they're, you know, legit and uh, can, you know, take care of uh, uh, of themselves to an extent. Um, and so Bainies was a great group of people who just kind of had trust for another person yeah. who also worked at Bain. And so that's one example of um, uh, finding a way to create kind of pods or groups where um, if you worked at Bain, we can help you um, help match you with somebody else who also worked at Bain. Um, so you can kind of lean on that trust that already exists instead of us as a company needing to say, oh, we approve them. Just trust us. They're they're cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so other kind of um, uh, associations or affiliations that we found are really um, strong for trust are, you know, uh, like alumni associations, um, sometimes people who have similar jobs. Hmm. Um, so academics, you know, who want to swap homes with other academics, or we have actually a, a number of flight attendants huh. um, who swap, you know, they have a similar lifestyle, they have a common and, and they like swapping with one another. Um, and so in addition to matching people who have um, some shared background or some shared experience. Um, we also think it's really important to have people meet each other um, face-to-face uh, as people before confirming anything if they don't already know one another. Um, so we actually require uh, a Zoom intro wow. where people, you know, that we facilitate and we say, you know, okay, Justine, meet Zach. Zach, meet Justine. And here's how you guys know each other. And um, and, uh, have the opportunity to see somebody because we really want to make it feel like a social transaction, like a house guest, yeah. um, a, a friend that you're letting to crash at your place instead of a, a renter or a kind of service provider relationship. And the really interesting thing that we found is by doing that, people are also just on their best behavior yeah. more. We have yeah. way fewer issues. You know, when you feel like, oh, Zach is letting me stay in his place, um, almost for free, you know, you're paying the cost of cleaning, but it feels like it's free. Um, that's like, I'm getting a gift and I met him and he's met me. Like, I'm not going to trash his place. I'm going to follow his instructions. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I am. Um, uh, and I'm going to be excited to return the favor to him sometime. Um, and so I think that combination of um, helping people find others uh, who they have something in common with and getting them face to face and meeting one another um, uh, really helps create an environment that's much more human um, than uh, than I think a, uh, a a classic kind of um, you know uh, uh, listings platform or kind of anonymous um, managed platform might yeah. have otherwise been. Yeah, yeah, no, this is uh, this is amazing, and I, I would imagine right, like because of that, 
of that forced interview, when I do, you know, go to Justine's house and I notice, you know, oh, you know, there's a picture of Justine and somebody on the fridge and oh my gosh, like it's you and your dog. Oh, I, you know, my, my, uh, you know, my sister has the same dog. And like, like I imagine there are all these sort of like added things that happen when you are staying in each other's spaces that also sort of just cultivate deeper relationship to the point where, you know, I bet some people walk away from this experience and they actually do become like real friends, right? Like you almost, you almost like it's, it really is almost a, a social network. Yeah, it really is. Um, and there are some magical things that have happened because of that. You know, when you have a uh, a interaction that starts with generosity, um, you start this kind of like, well, first of all, cre- like cultivate real real feelings of like intimacy or closeness. Sometimes with people you've never even met in person before. You know, yeah. um, where you feel like you know so deeply. And you're so grateful for them. Um, and so we've had some really amazing kind of magical stories already. Um, like one that I absolutely love is um, there's this really beautiful home um, uh, in uh, on, on Whidbey Island, which is an island kind of off the coast of, of um, uh, Washington near Seattle. Um, beautiful kind of redwoods. There's a lake um, uh, in the middle of the island. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, and there was, uh, one of our members was going to Mexico. Her place on Whidbey Island was going to be open. And we had another member, um, who is a songwriter, uh, based in Austin. Um, and he and his girlfriend wanted to go, uh, have a kind of like writing retreat. So they, they went and stayed at the, uh, Whidbey Island home, um, while that member was out and they had such a magical time. Um, and they ended up leaving the most incredible gift, um, for their host. Uh, they went around and recorded the sounds of the house that they had come to love so much. So like huh. the creaking, the creak in the floors and like the sounds of the birds and the water, you know, lapping at the stones in the lake. And they made an original song about the home um, and left it as a gift for, um, for their host when she came back. And, um, you know, they are still like close friends to this day. She came back and she was blown away. She listened to the song and she was like, texting us like i am crying right now like this wow. is the most beautiful thing i've ever heard wow um and so you get people getting really creative with ways to kind of pay each other back or, or kind of cultivate these almost like pen pal relationships because yeah. often you know <laughs> they like aren't in the same city you know definitionally they don't typically live in the same city and and uh but they feel so close and they're uh i've really become friends so we're getting to the point now where we're thinking about like, do we have like a big meetup, you know, for yeah. everybody to go, come <laughs> together and like meet all these other people they've become friends with over the past year, swapping homes. Wow. So just a, a couple additional questions about how, how the platform actually works. So do I, if I have a home that I want to list on Kindred and I get approved, do I, do I have to swap five days for, for five days? So do I, do I have to be gone at the same time? Obviously I need to be out of my home, but do I, does the match need to be that I match with Justine's place in New York at the same time that she matches with my place in Washington, D.C.? Or or can it be as long as I'm not there, I can let Justine come and stay at, at my place and then she, like, what, owes me one and I can cash in five days at her sometime in the future? Or, or how does that work? Yeah, great question. Um, so uh, it's a give a night to get a night. Um, 
kind of economy. Okay. And, uh, and, and so what that means is that they don't have to be reciprocal swaps. That was actually how we started. And we quickly kind of pivoted because it's so much easier from a match rate perspective yeah. to find opportunities to stay. If it doesn't need to be one for one, like I stay at your house while you, you know, you stay at my house. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the way that it works is, um, uh, you know, about 20% of our, of our trips are reciprocal, meaning, you know, I stay at your house while you stay at mine. Yep. Uh, the other 80% um, are, uh, you can earn nights essentially by letting somebody else stay at your place. Um, let's say you're just going to be going to a wedding you yeah. know, or uh, you're going to be out of town for some other reason. Um, uh, you let somebody you approve of stay at your place. Uh, you can earn, you know, five nights then that you can use at a later time to stay at uh, any other kindred home. Um, and so you can kind of bank those nights and use it later. Yeah. Um, that allows us to have a lot of flexibility where you don't have to actually match up on, on dates, um, or even on location for people to be able to get a trip out of it. And in terms of just, uh, you mentioned like it's, it's free outside of a, a cleaning fee. And I know that kindred has a, has a membership fee to, to kind of uh, access the platform, but a lot of Airbnb hosts, right, short-term rental hosts, they, they're responsible, obviously, for, like, finding cleaners and then establishing relationships with the cleaners, and, and they're managing that whole process. Are, how, how does that work with Kindred? Yeah, great question. So just a quick point of uh, clarification. We do have a membership fee uh, to join, um, and then on a per-trip basis, um, we ask for uh, guests to cover the cost of cleaning, um, yep. and we're not making money off of that. We're just kind of, like, at, at cost, um, and then to pay – a, a service fee. Um, but again, they don't have to pay a like nightly rate, got you know, it, like it. a okay. rental. Yep. Um, so, uh, uh, the, the, one of the big, uh, values I think of kindred making this home swapping experience more convenient is that we take on the burden of, um, coordinating, uh, and vetting, uh, cleaning. Um, hmm. so this is, uh, part of uh, what makes our model also different from just a kind of pure platform um, is that we do take on some of the uh, some of this work uh, yeah. to make it easier for people to to swap. Um, so when people are accepted to Kindred, we ship out a welcome kit that has a set of guest sheets and guest towels and a lockbox if they need one, and some guest toiletries, kind of like like the basics um, that you need to set up uh, your home. And then when you are um, leaving, you know, on your, on your trip and, uh, want to get your place ready for a guest. Um, all you have to do is basically leave out that kit, um, and kind of go on your, go on your merry way and work with our, our concierge, um, to, uh, coordinate a good time for, uh, one of our preferred cleaners to come. And of course we'll work with your preferred cleaners, you know, if somebody has one, but very sure. often people are like, well, I don't know, actually like, uh, you know, who, who do you work with? We, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and, um, so then our cleaners, um, will come in and know to, you know, swap out the sheets, uh, you know, put the guest sheets out, um, and get the home ready. Uh, and we help with quality control and, um, so that you don't have to take on all that work of kind of, um, making sure your home is spick and span for somebody. And as a guest, uh, you can come in knowing that the place has been professionally cleaned, yeah, you know, yeah. bef before you got there. So you're not going to um, walk in and be, you know, dismayed that the it doesn't look like they're fresh sheets or, <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever. Um, and then uh, importantly, when you come back home, um, you know that 
the home is going to be professionally cleaned um, and and ready for you and that your um, sheets and your towels and your kind of personal hygiene items will not have been used um, by your guest. And uh, both guest and host can just uh, rest assured knowing that the cleaning will happen and that it'll be good. And if it's um, uh, and that they don't have to kind of take on that burden themselves. In in terms of your your kind of target market right now, I know that you guys are also still uh, still early, and I believe you guys are still in like a invite only beta. But um, yeah. who 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 like just describe a couple of like the the target travelers, the target hosts. Like who who are you all focused on right now? Yeah, so eventually we want Kindred to to be for everyone. Um, and we think there's a lot of uh, really great and very different kind of customer personas that can find a ton of value from Kindred. Uh, but so far, where we've seen a tremendous amount of traction is with this uh, remote worker, yeah, um, often yeah. kind of uh, uh, you know a, a, a knowledge worker who has a you know a desk job and can do it from anywhere, uh, because this is the kind of uh, a person who has a tremendous amount of uh, flexibility. Um, and is interested in, in being able to travel to work remotely. Um, and so, you know, I'm actually one of these people myself, you know, I can work remotely and, um, and I have those feelings where I'm like, gosh, I just kind of want to mix it up. You know, I don't really have a reason to travel, but if I can go stay in New York city and pay a couple hundred dollars for 10 nights, like in a beautiful place, like, yeah, I've got some friends in New York city, you know, like, like, let's go work out of there for a week. Um, and so that, uh, folks who have that kind of flexibility, um, often really have that, that itch to travel and, uh, and value being able to stay in other homes that often have great workstations or, or, or strong Wi-Fi. And so we've really found a lot of traction with that kind of, uh, persona. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I'm, you know, on your website, looking through your, your photos too, of some of your homes and, you know, they're beautiful looking, uh, homes that are actually set up like you guys even have like a an amenity category for like workstations like number of workstations you've got like three workstations right which is which is super helpful especially for folks that might want to travel with a buddy or travel with a, a couple of friends to to a location in terms of like membership like if i if zach is a is a kindred member but he wants to travel with one or two friends that aren't how does that work um, you can bring uh, your friends. We just ask that we have uh, the contact information and the kind of you know full names of everybody who's going to be traveling with you, so yeah. that the host knows and can kind of approve that as part of uh, the trip request. Um, so they don't have to be members, but you have to be. You can't book a place and then send your friends sure, there sure, sure, without yeah. you going. Yep, yeah, makes that makes a lot of sense. So I, I want to ask just a, a couple uh, additional questions just about about you, like when you were starting kindred like after you get back from tahoe you've got these you've got this idea maybe you don't need to buy a bunch of airbnbs in order to travel more regularly uh had you started a company before like what did what did like the the first couple months look like after you realized that there might be some traction here how did how did you know what you were doing yeah i mean i i have not built a company before i've been part of the early team at a couple uh uh companies in kind of the intersection of technology and, and homes. Okay. And so I think that that was, you know, somewhat helpful. I, I had the opportunity to, you know, pilot and pitch a new, you know, new business ideas within a company called Open Door where I used to work and, and had the chance to kind of build them out, including a, a home trade-in partnership, which um, ended up becoming a, quite a big 
uh, product line. So that that sort of I think did help demystify yeah. um, some of the uh, kind of experience for me. But really, what I realized is the difference between people who start companies and people who don't is just the starting of it. Like <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. It's like like there's nothing yeah. else. There's no there's no like magic. There's no being ready. You know, there's no like knowing exactly what to do, or maybe you don't. Uh, you just you don't have to know exactly what to do. Everybody's kind of making it up. I really think the 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 only difference is just kind of being crazy enough to just actually start, yeah. Um, and kind of taking the next taking the next step, and then the, the next step after that, and the next step after that. Um, so so my first step was really to say, I, I want to do this. I want to start a company in this space. Um, I don't know exactly what the company is going to look like. You know, I knew there was probably something around home sharing, home swapping, but I didn't know exactly, is it going to end up being, you know, fractional ownership, you know, a timeshare one-to-one exchanges or like multi-home exchanges or, you know, exactly the, the details. But I knew that if I kind of clearly articulated the the, the problem that I wanted to solve um, and it, if we could really iterate um, and test things out and keep tweaking until we were actually really solving those customer problems, we would end up building something worthwhile. Um, so, so really my, my kind of very first step was just the decision to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to go all in and, and, uh, you know, uh, leave my, you know, more comfortable, predictable job and take this risk. Um, and, and really I, I said like, I know that I want to do this, but I know that I don't want to do it alone. Hmm. Um, I know that I need a co-founder. Um, I, uh, I am so grateful to, uh, have found my co-founder Taz. She and I worked together at open door. So we knew each other and I knew, um, uh, uh, I knew that she was tremendously well-regarded and she was brilliant. Um, but I didn't know her as well at the time. And she was also thinking about starting a company in a similar space. And she had been having her own kind of, uh, struggles with, finding a way to live a more travel rich life. And she had explored, you know, being a digital nomad and, you know, do I give up my lease and, you know, how, how, how can I make this, uh, this work? And so we both kind of had some, some experience and had been thinking about uh, alternate solutions. Uh, and uh, when, when I really kind of uh, got to know Taz more deeply uh, and we whiteboarded some ideas I realized I think she and I can do this together. Like, huh. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know that if we just stick with it, we're going to figure something out that's really worth building. Yeah. Yeah. And did you guys, uh, did you raise money? We did. Yeah. Um, and what was, what was, up, yeah. What was the fundraising experience like? Like, had either of you ever, had either of you been in a situation where you had to go and, and, and ask other people to like fund your idea? definitely had never been in that position before. <laughs> um, so it's like really weird, you know, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable and you don't know what's normal or what, you know, there's, there's a whole language around it that I was unfamiliar with. And um, the, the amazing thing is there's so much you can learn now just uh, online, you yeah. know, there's so many amazing like YouTube videos. And um, so you can answer a lot of, a, a lot of questions and kind of get, get smart on things. Um uh, using, you know, the resources available to us online, like doing your own research. And then the other thing that was really, really helpful is just talking to other people who have done it before. Mm. Um, and so we had a number of friends, um, who had 
uh, who worked with us, who had also gone on to start companies who are a little bit ahead of us. Um, and that was invaluable for just being able to go to them and being like, okay, how do we think about this? Who should we talk to? Um, what, what would you recommend as next steps? Um, and so we had some, you know, kind of like shepherds uh, who were uh, wonderfully generous with their time and, and help us figure out how to uh, raise money and, um, uh, and really kind of start taking the first steps. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can imagine like just how, how, how strange it is to, to believe in your idea, to get excited about it, but then to have to like communicate it in a concise fashion mm -hmm. to folks who are used to being, uh, pitched lots of ideas from from passionate founders right um and it's a it's, totally. a it's a totally different you know ball game from convincing somebody or, or talking to your friends or family about it or even talking to your co-founder about it right like you guys already had some some similar interests and going to sort of a a stranger and asking them to to really believe uh not just you know in spirit but with with real cash money um that's an entirely different uh experience but sounds like you guys uh um you know were successful there which is which is wonderful. I, I'd love for you to, I, I know it's still early uh, and I know that you guys are, I'm super, super busy and I'm really excited to kind of see how this, how this private beta continues to unfold and, and whatnot. Um, but I'm sure you've, you've already had, uh, an oh shit moment or two, right. Where, where you thought, oh gosh, like are, is this idea going to work? Like, are, are we actually going to be able to get this off the ground? Um, whether it was, we are running out of money, whether it was, oh my gosh, no one wants to become a kindred member, or we had a terrible experience with, you know, first couple of members, whatever, whatever it might be. Could, could you walk us through a, a moment where you thought that this idea that you had might, might go to zero? And, and then how did you, how did you sort of like overcome that doubt and, and champion through it? Yeah, there are so many oh shit moments. I feel like I have a lot, uh, you know, like every every week or so. <laughs> um, the uh, so, so one moment that comes to mind was, was in the very beginning. We had not, you know, written a line of code or or done anything, um, uh, you know, done any marketing or you know, it was really no product. Yeah, uh, Taz and I, we were we were kind of just experimenting with the idea we had convinced like 30 of our friends to you know fill out a form and give us home photos and uh you know people who are interested in this home swapping idea and we were going to be matchmakers and just looked at what they you know where they lived where they wanted to go um and see if there were any matches that are already kind of emerged that would make for great trips so we were super excited uh looking through these lists we found wow there's actually like 10 matches we think we can make out of huh. a small group. And we think they're really good matches, you know, uh, people being able to go to the, exactly the places that they said they wanted to go to. This is, this is amazing. Um, and we, you know, sent, put the, uh, the, the matches in emails and, uh, got them all ready and sent them out and, uh, you know, had a toast on the, like a Friday evening. And we were like, we're going to do our first trips. Yeah. Um, and there was just, nothing like crickets, no response. And we're texting people like, Hey, did you get my email? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and nobody responded. We thought that these were great matches and that people were, and, and they were our friends. Right. And so yeah. we were like, if our friends won't even do this, like, what does this mean for like the world wants to do this? Like maybe <laughs> people don't want a home swap. Um, and, uh, and, and what's funny is we ended up, uh, realizing that people hadn't even 
looked at the email hmm. to, to see that the swap and the people who did look at the email hadn't clicked open the, you know, Dropbox link to see the photos. And, um, and then we tried again by Instagram DMing them like pictures of the homes and suddenly we got all these trips out of it. And so um, what we learned, we had that, oh shit moment thinking maybe people don't want this. What we learned is that actually implementation sometimes really matters. Yeah. You know, if something's not working, it could be that it's a bad idea. Yeah. It also could be that you had the wrong implementation yeah. and that you need to keep iterating and try a different implementation. And then suddenly the answer changes, you know, suddenly you get tremendous traction. And for us, you know, shifting to a more, um, to a different communication channel and making sure those, you didn't have to get three clicks in to see the pictures, you yeah. know, the pictures were really what kind of sold things An email on a Friday afternoon feels like work, you know, yeah. people aren't going to click that open suddenly switched to Instagram and it was a totally different story. Um, but we laughed together and, uh, you know, thinking, wow, this is, you know, this was our, our, one of our first kind of, oh shit moments of, um, uh, of, you know, realizing, uh, uh, you know, or, or having having a moment where we said, you know, wow, do people even want this? Yeah. Um, I, I really think that the trick to getting through those is just to be a little hard headed. Yeah. You know, and and um, and and to tell yourself, you know, there are always bumps, and someday this thing is going to work, even if it looks totally different from what it looks like today. Um, if we keep changing and trying different things out. Um, and being willing to drop things that are not working, um, we'll figure out something that works. And just yeah. kind of having that faith um, and continuing to persist, um, I think, is is really the the trick. Um, and for me, as and I mentioned before, like so much of my ability to continue persisting is having that partner there with me. You know, feeling like I'm not in this alone. Um, I'm doing this for her. She's doing this for me. And she kind of gives me um, the, uh, the the will to endure, if you will. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, so so well said. And, you know, I, I, I'm just reminded, too, that, like, it, it, I think we, we can all underestimate how just how hard it is to actually get people's attention, right? Like, it, it's, not, it's not even the fact yeah. that it was a bad idea or it, clearly it wasn't. Um, but just like, oh, wow, like, yeah, when just because you send somebody an email and because it makes perfect sense in your mind because you spent the past X number of months obsessed with this idea, right, and living in it doesn't mean that other people are paying as much attention to it as as you would hope that they would be, right? Like, in, and e even if they love and care about you, and I think it's just it's just such a reminder too. I, I love that you brought up the hey, maybe maybe the idea is not bad. It's just the the implementation strategy just isn't quite there because I do think it can be super easy to immediately want to break apart the the idea, right, and say, oh well, th this was this was stupid. I just wasted this time, and or I you know didn't do enough market research or, or you know whatever it is, and it, yeah, sometimes that is true, but but oftentimes, to your point, it really is just about thinking, all right, how do we better present this really interesting thing that we've created in a way that will actually draw and then keep someone's attention? Yeah, absolutely. You need it, the right product. You also need the right distribution. Yeah, yeah. A couple couple of final questions for you, Justine. Um, so most of the folks who are tuning into our conversation today are, are either short-term rental hosts uh, or entrepreneurs in the hospitality space. Uh, many, many are both. And I, I just love like, you know, one or two 
random musings that that you have on on the future of the hospitality industry like where do you think things are going is there is there a particular theme or something that that has your attention right now yeah i i think it's a really tremendously exciting time to be in the hospitality space whether you're you know a mom and pop running some short-term rentals um or an entrepreneur trying out a new model like i i see some some really large changes in in travel emerging and i think that when that happens when there's kind of big changes in consumer behavior it's a really exciting and interesting window of opportunity um to uh create uh create the future um and and so i i think the 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 couple things that i'm super excited by and, and thinking about a lot um there's probably three things like the like the the first one is i i really think we're seeing a shift, especially in the U.S., from kind of more like needs-based travel previously hmm. to like lifestyle travel. Hmm. And what I mean by that is instead of like, oh, I have to be here for this conference, so I'm going to travel, or I have to go, you know, on this to this wedding, so I have to travel. We're seeing people who just kind of want to um, uh, just want to live somewhere else for a little bit. They want to travel kind of more as a as a lifestyle. Um, and that means that people want different types of accommodations. You know, when you're just living life out of a place versus being a tourist, you might need something like, you know, workstations as an example. Um, uh, and it might mean that people are more flexible on on dates and locations because there's not a specific thing on the calendar that's driving them to yeah. to take that trip. They just kind of want to want to get out and want to explore. Um, and so this shift to lifestyle travel, I think, is really really interesting and will have a lot of implications. Um, the, the second that I see is, is a lot of, um, uh, challenges with, um, with service. Um, you know, there's, uh, we, we, through the pandemic, um, you know, there's just a lot of, of thrash in the mm. hospitality industry, mm. people getting laid off, people getting rehired, you know, demand going way down demand, then spiking way back up. And that's a really challenging environment to deliver great customer service, um, and we see people starting to get frustrated with that, guests starting to get frustrated with that. Um, and so I think that there's um, an opportunity probably for people who can deliver really fantastic service and develop reputations for giving really fantastic kind of guest experience um, to, to kind of have a, a wedge and really kind of stand out right now. Um, and then I think that the, the last one that I'm seeing is just there's, we're seeing some real supply constraints, you know, and, and raising like rising prices. Um, you know, Airbnb costs yeah. um, are going up, you know, for, for people as a, as guests. Um, and, uh, and so you see this like increasing demand, especially now, like as a lot of mask mandates, um, you know, have, have come down and, and travels opened back up. A lot of people wanting to make, make up for lost time and travel, but costs are so high. You know, there's a lot of wobbliness in the market right now. Um, and so I think there's also a really interesting opportunity um, for people and for models that can make travel more affordable yeah. um, to have a really kind of interesting wedge right now um, to, to uh, find some differentiation. Yeah, those are, those are wonderful musings. And I think that those, those insights are um, 
yeah, are, are, are right on point and consistent with just things that, that I'm seeing and things that I think a lot of us are seeing. My uh, my last question for you, Justine, is is where did the name Kindred come from? Like it's, it's obvious, it obviously makes sense, um, and it's a beautiful name. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a very well uh, well thought out name. But I, I, how did you arrive at it? Yeah, I mean, so brainstorming company names is like one of my all time most favorite things to do. Like nice. it, it um, it's so fun. Um, we so Taz and I we, we had a list of adjectives okay. that we kind of wanted the name to embody. We were like, we know we want a company name that gives you the feelings or kind of represents values of humanity, you know, connection, home, trust. Um, and we brainstormed words that mm. kind of brought those feelings to mind. Um, I suggested kindred at one point and Taz's first reaction was, I think that's too hippie. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and so we kind of kept it on the short list. Um, but we, we shared it with a couple of friends and there was just such a great reaction to it. Um, we also loved the way that the word looked, um, like spelled out. It's just a nice, you know, uh, you know, two syllable, like, I like the K, you know, it's a, yeah. we were like, I really like Kindred. And the more we sat with it, the more we were like, I think Kindred actually really feels right. Um, there are a lot of other Kindreds out there. There's a lot of companies yeah. called Kindred. Yeah. So we were like, okay, do we want to compete with like Kindred hospitals for, yeah. you know, search engine optimization or like Kindred, <laughs> you know, uh, retirement community. Um, and uh, we ended up just kind of becoming attached to the name. Um, we said, this is going to be our placeholder name. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll switch it out uh, later uh, if we do a kind of bigger branding exercise. And we ended up becoming quite attached to it. Yeah. Um, and, and so stuck with it. Well, I, I, I love it. It makes a ton of sense. Um, it's so true. It's just a to- totally in line with uh, what you all are doing. I love the, the trusted home swapping tagline too. You guys, you guys nailed the branding. Um, and I'm sure again, it will, will, will evolve as, as you all evolve. But for folks who, who are listening and might have a home or two that they are uh, primary residents or two that they might be interested in, in listing on Kindred, what is, what is like a, a good next step? Like if they're interested in, in just learning a little bit more, traveling uh, themselves, uh, should, should they go to the, uh, application button on your website and, or what, what, what would be a good next step for them to, to get in touch? Yeah. So you can find us online at livekindred.com, um, or find us, uh, livekindred on, uh, Instagram or Twitter, and you can join our, our waitlist. We review waitlist applications regularly and, uh, and do bring people in kind of on a rolling basis based on where we see demand, um, uh, the fastest way to get in is by um, having an invite from somebody who is an existing member. So um, if you happen to know somebody who is an existing member, they will have an invite code um, that they can give to you. But um, otherwise, uh, we definitely encourage you to, to join the wait list um, because we're, we're excited over the next uh, uh, kind of chapter here for Kindred to, to really grow the community um, and uh, and see where this thing can go. Well, I'm excited for you all. This is super, super uh, exciting, and I just I, I love I love the model. Love what you all are doing. Um, thank you so much for your time, Justine. We'll have links to uh, the website, to your social handles, all that fun stuff in the show notes below. So, if you want to learn more about Kindred, you can scroll down to the show notes and click on and learn more about them and and Justine as well. So, Justine, thank you again for making time in your very busy life to, to come chat with us. Thank you, Zach. This was really fun. I appreciate you having us on. 
Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.